You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time now for the Bob Melvin Show, presented by Nest Bedding. The three-time manager of the year sits down with Chris Townsend, exclusively on A's Cast. Visit nestbedding.com today. Here now is Chris Townsend. It's time now for the Bob Melvin Show, brought to you by nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Use the coupon code Oakland at any of their stores or at nestbedding.com to get 10% off your entire order. Bob, last night's game had to feel pretty good getting that win last night against the White Sox. It did. You know, we've been going through a little bit of a tough time here uh, at the wrong time. So we need to to pick it up and start playing good baseball as we did last night against a good team. So hopefully that carries over today. We can win a series and move on from there. What is the key to managing late in a season when you're in a battle with a bunch of different teams, whether it's the wild card, where it's the division? What's the key to managing your team at this point in the season? Well, you can't do anything about what anybody else is doing, so you just have to focus on yourself. I mean, there is quite a few teams in this pack, but if you get too caught up in who's doing what on a particular day, it's just distractions you don't need. You know you have to play good baseball. You know you're going to have to win a lot of games to get in. I think that's good enough for us to to, to know that and and just expect to win each and every game and, and hopefully finish out the season really strong because you know, when you when you have a 162-game grind like this and things were going a little better at some, at, earlier, you have to take it into perspective and say, look, there's 20, what, three games left in the season. Yeah. We're still in a playoff push here, and that should be enough to incentivize us. Do you manage every game like it's almost like a playoff game? Well, I mean, sometimes it's tough to do depending on who you have available on certain days and, and who's doing well and who's not. Um you know, how deep your starter goes into a game. There, there are a lot of things that, that, that go into it. We, we do know, too, we have, what, four more games here and then an off day, and then I think we have like 17 in a row or something like that or maybe even more. So um, you have to be cognizant of workloads and so forth. But, yeah, there is, there's a little more urgency in games like this uh, when you can see the finish line. How impressive has Frankie Montas been for you especially lately. Yeah, he's been huge for us. You know, at a time when we're not getting deep starts from our starters and and we've been a little bit vulnerable in the bullpen uh, here recently, especially in Toronto, uh, you, you need somebody and usually two guys that are able to give you seven innings so you don't have to work too hard in the bullpen. You give some tired arms and days off. You know, it was great that we were only able to use, have to use two guys last night with Frankie and then uh, with Chafin, after throwing five pitches in the eighth, it was easy to send him back out for the ninth based on the fact that he's been uh, used least frequently, and I think he had five days off before that. You know, when I think about Chafin, being a former starter and being able to use him for more than one inning, because he's a former starter, how can you use him and can you get you know more volume out of him in the, in the next 23 games? Well, I mean, we'll see. Uh, you know, how they feel and and you know he's been dealing with some shoulder stuff all season uh so we don't overuse him that's the first time i think we've used him two two full innings we've used him maybe four outs at times but you know certain years guys are a little bit arms are a little bit crankier i think 
you know, we're starting to see the effects of a 60 game season last year, whether or not, you know, it was a break for these guys or it's just a lot. I think it's becoming a lot right now. Um, and the seems the season seems like it's a lot longer, but you know, he's up for just about anything and we don't want to push him too hard to where we lose him. But, you know, usually he can get through innings uh, with fewer pitches than most of our other guys because, you know, he's a sinker baller and wants you to hit the first pitch. You know, that is pretty interesting seeing the ramifications of what COVID did to this sport and how it's affecting it from last year to a shortened season to a full season. When do you think you, you first started to see like, okay, now, now we're understanding not having the full year last year is now affecting us now. I think for me, it was around a hundred games and I wasn't really sure whether or not it was going to be, you know, these guys had a break last year, so they'll be fresher and they'll be able to go longer this year or, you know, it takes its toll on you. And, you know, we're, we're seeing now, I mean, look at James Caprillion, you know, not only has he not had a workload like this for a long time, um, you know, he's, he's making all his starts and, and, you know, we're seeing a guy that to, to an extent, a little bit run down. So, you know, we're going to have to to cut down maybe on his pitch count. Some, we certainly don't want to work him, you know, seven or eight innings this time of year when, when, you know, we have to be aware of the fact that he hasn't pitched this much in a long time. So it's more of an individual individual type thing that, you know, certain guys are, you know, maybe a little bit more conditioned for it. Certain guys not. Maybe hard throwers not as much. Um, so, you know, our training staff does a good job in trying to identify the guys that, that can, you know, take the workload right now and certain guys that we need to be careful with. You know, I, I hate even asking this question because the number one thing is I'm just happy that, that Chris Bassett is going to be okay. And, and that should be our focus. But, is there a chance you think he could give you something, whether it's a start, it's maybe come out of the bullpen like he does in the past for you? Do you think that Chris Bassett might be able to pitch at all for the rest of the season? As I sit here right now, I'm probably going to say, yeah, he's going to throw a flat ground today, and I think he's going to his next uh, bull, bullpen that he throws is going to be two or three ups. So, I mean, he's the one that's trying to push this thing. You know, our training staff's trying to, to, to look at this realistically and, and understand that there's incremental buildup, but yeah, you can't help but think about, you know, how do we use them? If we, if we do get them back, is it, you know, maybe three innings as a starter to start? Is it more in the middle of the game? Do we look them at, at the back end? Uh, and you kind of see where the soft parts are in your pitching staff right now. But as I sit here right now, it would not surprise me at all if he was back and, the, and he's pretty single-minded and wanting to come back right now. So, I think we'll find out a lot more today. He throws a flat ground, and then, like I said, Saturday he's going to throw a couple ups in the bullpen, and we'll see where that takes us. I know you have such a strong relationship with him. What will it be like for you to see him back on the mound? Well, it'll you know it'll be emotional for a bit, and then you know you get into the grind of competing, which he's really good at. Um, you know, these are the tight you know in the season like we are right now. These are the guys you lean on because of their competitiveness and. And you have to take it to another level when you're playing games that you have to win. And so it'll be great to see him initially out on the mound, but then it's going to be all about competing, which he does really well. So I'm, I'm not sure how we use him uh, or, or, you know, when he's back. But like I said, you know, we're, we're just encouraged to the fact that, that we, there's an opportunity to get him back. And then once we get there, then we'll see how we do it. You know, yesterday on the show, we had Tony LaRusse on the program and, 
you know, over the years interviewing Tony, I mean, he's, he's a living legend. I mean, he's a hall of famer and he had some really nice words to say about you talk about how you've not only been uh, one of the best managers in baseball, but you've been doing it for a long time. Just when someone like that has the, these type of words, and obviously you, you guys have had the same job managing this franchise, but, when a guy like Tony LaRusso is talking about you're the best in baseball, what does that mean to you? Well, you can't help it, but, you know, be humbled by it. I mean, you know, you, you know, there was a lot of, you know, ifs, ifs or buts with Tony coming back. Is he going to be able to do it again? Well, he manages the game extremely well. And, and that, you know, you don't forget how to do that. Um, and he's relating to his players. You can see it in the dugout and so forth. I mean, he's just born to be a manager and, and one of the you know top three of all time. So when you hear something like that, sometimes I'm like, you know, is he buttering me up here because I'm not going through my best stretch as a manager right now. But but to hear those words actually make you feel good and, and make you to take things into perspective. Uh, I've gotten to know him on and off the field, and it's just a terrific, been a terrific resource for me over the years. And you know, when he'd stop by when he was scouting with another team, he'd always come by and talk to me for a while. And, you know, with the ARF situation, we're big animal people, too. So I've gotten to know him really well. He's just a, a terrific baseball man and been great for my career. And when you hear things like that, you get awfully humbled. Can Bob Melvin envision himself being 76 years old in uniform managing in Major League Baseball? I can virtually guarantee you that will not happen. There are, there are only certain guys that can do that. And, and maybe the break was good for him. I mean, he didn't lose his competitive desire. And, and knowing from guys like Chip Hale when he was, you know, running uh, Arizona over there, that fire never stopped burning for him. And you can certainly see it in the dugout right now. He's doing a terrific job with these guys. Well, you know, and, and you think about it, Bob, it, it's like for Tony, as he said, it's been a gift that he's been given and it's almost like it's keeping him young. Well, it is. I mean, it's, I, I, like I said, I couldn't imagine doing this at, at 76 years old, but there are certain guys that are, that can do it. I mean, you look and see what Dusty's doing right now. And, you know, there've been guys that have, have gone into their seventies doing it. Um, it. You, you have to have that competitive fire burning all the time. And that, and that, uh, you know, steadfastness of, of, getting to the ballpark at noon every day and, and going through the grind of 162. At some point in time, it's, it wears on you, but uh, it certainly doesn't seem like that's the case with Tony. You know, we just had the uh, Hall of Fame inductions, and what's really interesting is that kind of everybody who was a part of it, you knew. You know, whether we're talking about Marvin Miller, know you're a player rep, and, you know, talk about Derek Jeter at AAA or Ted Simmons, and uh, obviously your time in the National League as a skipper and a coach against Larry Walker. What did that induction class mean to you? Because you had a little part in all of their careers. Yeah, you know, it just means I'm getting a little older, and, and you know, you these ceremonies now mean a lot more because, you know, when you hear them talk and the people they talk about and the experiences, you've been through a lot of those experiences. And I played with, with Jeet, you know, his, I think it was his last year in the minor leagues, uh, my last year within the Yankee organization. And, you know, to watch where he came from to what he was and the man that he is now, um, it doesn't surprise you. But, you know, when he was coming up, it, it might have not looked like a Hall of Famer, but the one thing that this guy has I think over everybody else is the fact that he's so competitiveness so competitive he cares only about winning 
and uh, you know it resonates on all the other players around him. That's why they made him the captain. So well deserved there. Larry Walker was a guy that man when you managed in or coached against him, especially in Colorado, he was just a highlight reel waiting to happen. You know whether it was in the big arm in the outfield, whether it was the power. Um, and, and Ted Simmons is just one of the great baseball guys of all time. He's done so much in this game from what he's done playing, what he's accomplished, you know, as a rep for, for the Players Association and what he's done in the front office, too. I mean, this is as well-rounded a baseball man uh, as you're ever going to come across. So it was a really cool day yesterday. And let's end on this. You know, baseball players make a lot of money. Professional athletes all make a lot of money. And it's people like Marvin Miller who fought for that years ago and had to be really the bad guy, but they were the guys that changed our sports. Just talk about what he has meant and that all the players today should remember what this man did for them. Without a doubt. I, there, there are very few people that were in baseball that were as impactful for the players as Marvin Miller was. And, you know, there was a lot of pain that you went through. You know, I remember when I, my first year in the big leagues, in 85, there was a very short strike. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm finally making 40 grand a year. And now we got to go on strike. But, you know, the, the more you're part of it and the more you see how strong the union is and, and Marvin was, you know, the igniter as far as those things and, and where it's come and how much guys make now, uh, you know, it's similar to a Tiger Woods situation. If, if you're a player and you don't understand what Marvin Miller and these guys have done for you in your careers, uh, then you should stop and go back and, and research it some because you wouldn't be in the place that you're in right now. Great stuff as always. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Tony. Sounds good. That is the Bob Melvin Show brought to you by Nest Bedding. Their locations in the Bay Area are safe and they're absolutely beautiful. Or you go online to nestbedding.com. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. That's nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.